Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bruni. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB. I will be joined here by Dennis Bennett, who you can follow at Culture underscore Coach, and Matthew Fox, who you can follow at Nighthawk7734. We are part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. We are proud to be a part of that network. We've got a ton of great movie and pop culture podcast as well as fantasy you've got us and the debbie delight for the fantasy call me by your commentary film optics uh, music city drive in and the geek vibes radio top 10 with tia when it comes to movies as well as 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys great group of podcasts we've got going here super excited to be a part of this for today's episode We will be talking about the AFC West, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Los Angeles Chargers. That's what actually reminded me. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. Got a ton of great podcasts on here, such as the Music City Drive and 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys. Call Me By Your Commentary, Film Optics, Greek Vibes Radio, Top 10 with Tia, The Debbie Delight, Skates to Throats Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Ton of great podcasts, not all sports related either. If you're into some of the pop culture and film stuff, like Matt, you were on a podcast with them the other night. Uh, they've got a great group who's going to be. It's a lot of fun to be part of this network. We are thrilled to be a part of them. So today, as you guys can see, scrolling across the bottom there, we're going to do the AFC West, talking about the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. Matt and Dennis are with me today. How you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. My first day back at work after vacation. Okay, so I'm not doing fantastic. It kind of sucked after being on vacation for 10 days. You know, the drive, when you say drive-ins, the first thing that always pops into my head when I was about seven, I came down to Columbus from Michigan with my uncle to visit. He lived down here, and uh, his car broke down about three blocks from his house, and one of the things we had to walk past was a drive-in movie. And so we stopped to watch the movie, uh, which was only a couple blocks from his house. And the movie that was showing was The Exorcist. Wow. That's, uh, and every time yeah. I hear driving, that always pops into my head. 
You know, I could have I could have used you last night because I'm pretty sure I got added to uh, the Music City Drive-In as we were talking about the films of 2000, since I was the only one on the panel that was old enough to take myself to the movies in 2000. <laughs> what uh, have you seen any movies at Drive-In, Matt? And an actual drive-in, I was trying to think. Um, I think I have been when I was younger. I'm waiting for the one uh, the ones here to open up this summer because we were going to try to go, but I think they haven't opened because there's no movies. Yeah, yeah, that is the worst part about it. I know there's one here in Texas. I don't remember what they showed because my friend went and saw. They went and saw it for the the fourth. They showed some. It wasn't new movies. They showed some yeah. like rerun movies and then fireworks afterwards. But yeah, I think. My first one, I don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing. Now, I, we don't have – the first, one in Texas hasn't been open that long. The only time we knew of one being open was in Ohio. So as, as many of you know, I used to go back to Ohio all the time and visit. Uh, but during the summertime, I would always go to baseball games with my grandfather. I was not – I didn't really care about movies. I wanted to go see the Indians play. And uh, so the first one that I actually went to because there was no Indians game and we went back up there was, I think, Jurassic Park 3. So I think that's the one it was with the spine. Was it the Spinosaurus? I think so. Oh, that would have been Park the first. Day came out in 2001. So very nice. I'm surprised that you knew that. I had no idea, but that was the first one I went and saw. We were looking up uh, films of 2001 uh, <laughs> for the, for the thing last night. So I clocked that one on there. Did uh did that make any did that get any awards or anything? I mean, I'm a big fan of the Jurassic Park series. So. Jurassic Park three, uh, if it got an award, it would have been a rat Golden Raspberry Award for uh, crappy movies. How dare Although last night, our uh, you know basically the premise uh, of how they're going through is they're picking a year, and you give uh, a nominee that you'd like in all the categories. So I did revert back to you know my college days when they said who do you want to nominate as best actress? I went with. Kristen Dunst for Bring It On, a movie I probably saw 95 times when I was in college. Wow. All right. I mean, I've seen it my fair share of times, too, I guess, if I'm being honest. So I know I saw in the chat a, a lot of Britney Spears talk. I'm not really sure what that was all about. Because they're, uh, they're going to go uh, every week now, moving up a year. So next year's t- uh, next week's 2001. And then the year 2002, Britney Spears was in Crossroads. And based on the fact that uh, somebody nominated uh, Anna Faris for um, Scary Movie and uh, some other ones, people have decided, you know, that they're going to make some campaigns. Our friend Kenzie, she's she's determined that Britney Spears is going to get into the pool when, when we revisit that year. <laughs> well, definitely sounds interesting. So we are going to start off with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they finished 7-9 and nine last year. Do you guys think this is Derek Carr's final year with the Raiders? No, I, I think it comes down to what are the Raiders' other options. Uh, I know they have the reclamation project that is Marcus Mariota, um, but I think did they only sign him to a one-year deal? Uh, I thought it was two years. It could be two. So, you know, they've got Mariota – you know, where are they going to pick in next year's draft? You know, it looks like there's going to be some decent quarterbacks coming out that aren't named uh, Justin uh, or Trevor Justin Fields, I was thinking, but I met Trevor Lawrence. My my Buckeye homerism comes out. Um, Marietta was two years, yeah. So, you know, it depends on 
Gruden considers himself to be the quarterback whisperer. So maybe he thinks uh, he can turn either one of these two guys into, you know, long-term top 12 quarter. You know, if, I, I think if he can get 10 to 15 NFL range performance out of them, I think he thinks that's good enough because he can put a, a good enough team around him that the they can uh, go go deep into the playoffs. So it's you know it's a coin flip because you know Gruden's Gruden has the best job security in the NFL. He can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, well, yeah. Praise the AFC West for that. I think they've given us now the most consistency in the NFL moving forward. You got Patrick Mahomes on a 10 year contract, Jock Gruden on nine years now at this point. So we both know they're going to be around for a long while, maybe much to the dismay of our Broncos fan there. I just want to throw out, too, Marcus Mariota, only 26 years old. I had no idea. I thought he was older than that. It's a little bit ridiculous to realize he's that young. But, Matt, what do you think about Carr? I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how he does. He wasn't terrible last year, and you consider they they didn't have the greatest offensive weapons, you know. So they've invested a little bit more this year. It's just it's it's hard to tell, you know. I I feel a little bit better about Derek Carr right now than I thought I might have at the end of the year because of the fact they only went and got Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, there was a lot of potential options and names talked about that Oakland might go get, in which case you would have thought the pressure would be more on Carr. Um, I just, I guess I don't have a good feel for what John Curtin's going to do. No, I, I think a lot of it will come down to how do the rookie wide receivers perform? Um, can Tyrell Williams, will his foot be healthy? Uh, it, it's there's a lot of ifs on that team, and if they come together, that team could be really, really good. You know, the Henry Ruggs is built for David Carr. You know, short passes with Yak. Uh, Brian Edwards can go up on the outside and make the contested catches, uh, and then Darren Waller over the middle is a big body with great speed. So it's if Josh Jacobs and uh, you know the Devonte Booker can perform in the backfield. You know, it's, it, it could be Carr could be there getting, he could get a reasonable extension. He's not getting a Mahomes extension. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think the Raiders are going to do as good as some others do this year. I just, I don't think Carr fits well into what Gruden likes to do. He, he's not the guy that I know everybody's going to point to the year. What would have been? I think the year that, uh, Shoot. I think Carr almost won the MVP before he broke his leg. Like he was actually throwing the ball. 14. Yeah, he's having a good year, but he doesn't. From I was listening to NFL radio talk about the other day that their biggest issue, I think, with Carr is he just plays it too safe. He, he, he He's afraid to pull the trigger. And in Gruden's offense, sometimes you need to pull the trigger. And so I'm wondering if that will end up hurting him and not staying with the Raiders. I, I kind of feel like. He's just not going to be there much longer. Now, maybe he does. Maybe he impresses them, and, and he does come back. But I think they would rather maybe possibly draft a quarterback next year because I do think it's going to be a really good quarterback class from, from what we see right now. Obviously, that could change. 
uh, and then maybe ride Mariota for a year and then throw that quarterback in. As you mentioned earlier, he's got a lot of security right now, job security with his contract. So he, he can take a year or two to, to kind of rebuild this team. Uh, some of their new additions they added in the offseason, Devontae Booker, Nelson Aguilar, Jason Witten, Marcus Mariota. They signed Jalen Richard back to a two-year extension. Uh, and then they drafted Henry Ruggs in the first, Lynn Bowden in the third, and then Brian Edwards in the third. Uh, losses, if you can consider them that, DeAndre Washington and Isaiah Crowell, both running backs. And then expiring contracts after this year, Jason Witten, Zay Jones, Devontae Booker, Nelson Aguilar, and Marcel Aitman. Fantasy finishes in 2019, Derek Carr, QB 17 with 252.36 points. Josh Jacobs, RB 14 with 171.6 Jalen Richard, RB66, with 46.8 points. Tyrell Williams, wide receiver 44, with 101.1. Hunter Renfro, wide receiver 55, with 84.5 points. And then Darren Waller, tight end four, with 131 points. So over under starts for Derek Carr this year's 16 games. I think I'm going to go under just because of the, you know, the threat of injury. And if he does underperform, Gruden don't give two shits about it. He isn't going to worry about whether or not he has to massage Carr's ego. He's uh, rubbed some dirt on it and tough, suck it up. A couple bad games, uh, he gets a little dinged up. You know, they could very well be like, hey, we understand you're injured. But, Coach, it's a hangnail. Yeah, we get it. You're injured. No problem. We're going to go ahead and start Mariota while you rest that to see the, those, you know, that's the kind of thing I think uh, you can see happening just to see if there's anything there with Mariota. Uh, but for the most part, I guess at 16 games, I'm going to take the under. Uh, but I, I would expect Carr to start most of the season. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the under too. I think what's What's going to have a big impact is, so last year, the Raiders started pretty hot. You know, we kind of forget they were in seeming contention for a playoff spot all the way up till the last week. And if you're, you know, if they're doing well and they're in contention, you could see Derek Carr, if he's in there, staying in there. I think if you see him lose and fall out early, you know, or by the middle, why wouldn't you go and see the guy you're paying $17.5 million to see if he would be an improvement? Yes, I, I'm going under as well uh, for everything you guys stated, whether it's it's him not playing up to par or him getting injured. I, I just I don't see him playing the full 16 games for the Raiders. If you guys own Jacobs, is it fair to not worry at all about um, – God, who is it? Um, Lynn Bowden, Washington. Lynn Bowden and Jalen Richard. I, I put Washington on there after I said. So after you said he's gone. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried about DeAndre Washington crawling back when he realized that the situation yeah. he went to in Kansas City was not optimal. Right. Yeah. Um, I I think it's going to be Jacobs' backfield. He's going to get seventy percent of the touches. I do think Richard will get a little bit in the the receiving game. Um. Jacobs, it'll come down to if he performs in the receiving game. If for some reason he misses a block, uh, then then you're likely to see um, Richard or Devontae Booker in there. Uh, I, I feel like with Bowden, 
he's a wild card. Um, it's it's one of those things we're just going to have to wait and see with him. Uh, on one hand, you know, one school of thought is well, running back is the easiest position to transition to the NFL. Um, but is he a running back or is he a wide receiver? Is he a slot guy? What exactly is Lynn Bowden? Uh, Lynn Bowden, and so. I, I definitely think Jacobs is the most talented running back on that team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot about Booker. Booker, actually, I think would be probably in line to get some primary carry work if Jacobs was injured. But I don't think, uh, you know, Booker, Richard, or Bowden are guys that they see as three down or competing pieces. They're either third down back, change of pace back, or reserves. Um, I think they made it pretty clear last year. I mean, they they were giving 20 carries a game to Jacobs when he had a broken shoulder. So they would like him to be their guy. Whether Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, rub find. some dirt on it. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think he showed, obviously, a lot more than, than some of us thought. Others, obviously, there was a lot of people who were really high on him. Me and Dez were kind of iffy just because of what we saw out of Alabama. And he definitely showed that he could be a very good running back. So I'm with you guys. Rashard. Uh, doesn't necessarily scare me. Bowden intrigues me some just because of what he was able to do in college. If, you know, Gruden, I think, likes to consider himself a very smart offensive coach. He's got a a, a fair innovative, good, if you will. Yeah. He he's got a he he's got a lot of weapons. They're building a lot of weapons on that offense right now. So if they can possibly use Bowden in different ways, he might be interesting, but I agree with you guys. It's definitely uh, Richard's backfield. So Las Vegas added uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards in the draft. Do you trust anyone to be a wide receiver two this year? And who do you trust long term that's currently on the roster? Take it, Matt. To be, I don't even know if we know who's going to be the wide receiver one. Well, so I would say wide receiver two for fantasy. I'm not even worried about wide receiver. I'm talking about just do you trust any of those guys to produce as a wide receiver two for fantasy? It doesn't have to be those two. It can be Williams, Renfro, anybody. Who I just added that those those two got added in the offseason, in the draft. I think the the one that I, that I have the hopes for, hopes being a relative term, as I would be happy to see the Raiders go down in flames personally. Uh, the the most hopes for that I've been drafting is Brian Edwards, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't think that's 2020. I, I think that's down the road. I think we all had a similar opinion of uh, how much we, we loved Henry Ruggs. Uh, so, and, you know, I don't even, I don't know if either of them is going to be incredible this year uh, coming off of a weird off season. I mean, they still have, Renfro, Tyrell Williams, um, it's really hard to, to tell for sure exactly what they're going to do, but they clearly went and got receivers because they weren't happy with what they had, and they're hoping these guys are going to be the future. Yeah, I, I think that potentially it's, it's going to be more, or, or I guess the way I see it is that there's going to be a lot of wide receiver two games, but it's good. Who's going to have them when is going to be the big challenge. Uh, somebody, you know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Edwards or Ruggs comes out and establishes themselves as the number one receiver. I think last year what we saw was that their number one receiver was Darren Waller. Uh, but we did also saw Waller's 
targets dropped pretty significantly when Hunter Renfro came back from injury as well. So Renfro has that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker kind of game. And so he could, he could be one of those seven for 85 yard guys on a consistent basis that's going to pr produce 15 points a week and the occasional touchdown. Rugg strikes me more as the three reception per game kind of guy, but he could also have 80 or 90 yards because he takes one to three touchdowns with his speed. And then Edwards, Edwards, I feel like is, is somewhere in the middle. He's going to, be the downfield threat, him and Tyrell Williams both. And so there's there's going to probably be different times where Edwards might have six or seven catches for 120 yards, um, but then he might follow it up with one of those, you know, two catch for 14-yard kind of games because Henry Ruggs took four catches for 183 yards and two touchdowns, and then they pounded the ball with Josh Jacobs. Or it's going to be the resurgence of Nelson Aguilar, the, pl the player no one saw coming. Yeah, that'll. Uh, I doubt it, but yeah, but fifth or sixth year breakout Aguilar. He just needed to change teams and uh, have no expectations. Had to get out at West so his hands could get warmed up and he could catch the ball. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, obviously Edwards is the guy that I've, I like the most. I think we've all kind of talked about how how well or how good we think he is as a player. Uh, obviously, I agree with you guys. I don't think he does much this year. Him and Edwards, I, or Williams, I think are going to be in the same role. I think what is interesting is after this season, there is no dead cap hit on Williams' contract if they want to get out of it. So I would be intrigued to see if will if Edwards. God, I keep mixing those two up. If Edwards steps up and does good in some of the games that maybe they possibly move on from Williams and let Edwards be the guy. Uh, but they've got Williams signed through 2022 at about 11 five uh, for the next two years after this year. And there is no dead cap hit if they let him go. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to watch in my opinion. Speaking of Tyrell Williams, we saw him succeed in Los Angeles as a wide receiver too when he wasn't the guy. When Keenan Allen was the guy and Williams could just kind of get that secondary coverage and everything, he put up a lot of really good fantasy weeks. Do we think him coming in this year, being healthy, and knowing that a lot of people are going to focus on Henry Ruggs, Williams can have a reemergence in the fantasy game? Well, I, it's not outside the realm of possibilities, but I also – it's going to be a consistency thing. It's you're, you're going to have him on your roster. You're going to be forced to start him on a bye week, and then you're going to cross your fingers. Uh, is this the week that he he is relevant, or was it last week when he caught four for forty-seven and a touchdown, and that was the week he was relevant? Uh, I, it it'll just it, it's the consistency issue among those wide receivers is really going to be the storyline, in my opinion, this year. If they can be consistent, that's going to be a good thing for Derek Carr. Um, guys, I haven't called him David Carr the whole show. Uh, you just jinx yourself. I know. Uh, but if they, if, if they can develop some sort of consistency, whether it's Renfro with the safety valve or Ruggs with those, those screen passes, or he just gets – if Carr makes a couple tight throws to Edwards 
uh, on some outs where Edwards has to fight for it and he wins. And then Carr gets that trust. He knows, hey, this this kid is good and I, I can trust him to, you know, I have a nine-year-old who plays football and, and one of the conversations we have all the time, I tell him, look, if you're playing wide receiver, what's your job? He says, to make the quarterback look good. I'm like, that's right. You catch the damn ball, make the quarterback look good. Doesn't matter if it, it's doesn't matter if it's not in the middle of your chest. Your job is to catch it. And if Edwards can do that, then uh, Carr will have some confidence. Matt, any thoughts I on forgot. Tyrell? So, I mean, if you look last year, Tyrell Williams was allegedly their number one receiver, and he didn't get more than seven targets in any game. To me, he's a little too much of a touchdown-dependent guy. And, you know, the games where he really delivered for you, like like week three against Minnesota, he only caught three for 29, and a t- but he got a touchdown, and that was on three targets. So I just don't know. You know, they clearly are going to want to get Ruggs involved. Edwards is there. We talked about potentially some passing backs. Wal- uh, Waller's still there. Renfro is there. I just don't know how high volume this pass offense is going to be. And, you know, is Tyrell Williams going to go back to being the guy? It seemed like when he had good games for the Chargers, it was when he kind of caught a bomb for a touchdown. Well, why would you use him in that role when you have rugs? I would assume the only reason you really drafted him as high as you did is because you want to set that speed loose down the field. So I, it's hard to figure out what his role is going to be. It makes sense that they have an out and they took all these rookie receivers like we'll have to use and lean on a veteran this year, but we're hoping our guys pick up and then we can just mutually part ways. I don't think they ever envisioned him being a featured piece of their offense. He was a guy they brought in when they went to go get Antonio Brown. As like, hey, you know, if you're going to use all your people on Antonio Brown, we got this guy we can bomb it to. So I just... I think he was probably part of a vision for an offense that never materialized. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I hope he does. Uh, I, I liked obviously what he did with Los Angeles, but I think when you're relying on Derek Carr to throw the ball to you deep as well, you're kind of asking, you're asking for a lot right there as it is. So I'm not sure that he will uh, succeed, but I do think he, he will get a lot of better matchups this year, especially if teams do try to, you know, bracket coverage over rugs like they, Gruden's talked about him wanting them to do. He wants Ruggs to be his Tyree kill. And so you know with the speed he has, you can't just put your corner back on him because most of them probably can't keep up with him. So you might have to try and double cover him with someone deep, which might end up helping out Williams in the long run. We, we do know that Derek Carr uh, is not afraid to throw it to the wide open wide receiver. So maybe Williams can get himself wide open. Is Waller the baller going to ball out again in 2020? Well, see, Fantasy Sharks is projecting him with 62 receptions and 804 yards, three touchdowns, tight end eight. I I don't know if I'd consider tight end eight balling out. Um, I I think with Waller, it'll come down – he was he became the number one option last year when they just didn't have anything else, and so this season with more options, uh, the real question is: Can he stake his claim uh, 
and do something with it. Uh, I feel like that tight end eight is probably a pretty decent uh, spot for him. 62 receptions, 800 yards. His size, though, I think the potential is there for him to get a little more red zone work, uh, more than three touchdowns. So, well, and see, that's the thing. Last year, he caught ninety for one thousand one hundred forty-five, but he still only had three touchdowns. So, if his receptions and yardage came back to earth, but he had more touchdowns, you know, he could still be in there. The question is, it seems like a lot of people are drafting him as the third or fourth tight end off the board. Is he going to be a top three tight end? It feels like outside of, you know, I don't think any of us would have would pick him in the top three when you have Kelsey, Kittle, and Andrews available. So then beyond that, the the barrier for getting into the top, you know, eight of tight ends isn't super high. I think he could deliver that value. It depends on what, you know, a lot of people in Dynasty, I know this was the case for me, I, I got him at the end of the bench or I picked him up off waivers and then instantly you have a starting tight end. I think he's still a starting tight end. The, where you lose the value is in redraft or in Dynasty startups where people are reaching and taking him way early, He may, you know, expecting to see the heights of last year. I think he'll probably, I'm, I'm with Dennis, he'll come back to earth with, a little bit with receptions and yardage. If he gets more tight ends, could balance out. You know, I I would say anywhere between four and ten, or four and twelve wouldn't surprise me as a tight end finish. So it really depends on your expectations. I just think he set the bar so high last year, uh, coming out of nowhere. That's not likely to uh, happen again. So how many? What would you project cars completions at? I mean, 350. Well, what did he have last year? Let me know. I mean, it, pull up and see because I guess when I start taking a look, you know, it, it feels almost like the Raiders are set up to have a whole bunch of 60 reception players. So Carr threw 513 times last year and completed 361. So it, it just kind of feels like you're looking at. What Edwards, Ruggs, Williams, Renfro, uh, Waller, and a running back, and all of them having between like 50 and 75 receptions. Yeah, and see, last year, I think the big, the big thing, Waller had 117 targets. Nobody else had more than 71, which was Renfro, only 64 for Tyrell Williams. You know, running backs, the, the most that any running back had looks like Richard had 43. So, you know, if, if wide receiver targets start going up, that that might eat into Waller. And if they're not, you know, but then the question is, do they end up throwing more? It seems like with that offensive line and Jacobs, they'd be happy to pound the ball and throw as needed. So... Yeah, I mean, last year was his lowest attempts. I mean, only by two compared to 2017. But he's been right up there in the, the 550s and more every other year with attempts. So I, I would think it'd probably be around that just because they probably will rely a lot more on the run game, like you said, Matt. For me, Waller, I think I'm, I'm just echoing a little bit of what you guys just said. I don't expect him to be up there in that top three where he is going. Uh, but I could see him balling out because, as you mentioned, Matt, four from like 12 at tight end is kind of a crapshoot. So 
if you can produce anywhere in there, you're still an elite tight end. And I definitely think Waller can do that, even even without getting um, a lot of touchdowns. So over unders for the Raiders. Derek Carr, QB twenty two, over or under? Over for me. Uh, where did I have him ranked? Let's see. I will go over as well while Dennis is pulling that up. You didn't have him in the QB2 range, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think any of us did. I could be I wrong. Think, yeah, I think all of us have him outside. Yeah. yeah. All right, ADP of 227. He is the 30th QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Big Ben, Cam Newton, and Dwayne Haskins. Would you take him over any of those three? I'm going to say I would not simply because I don't even feel confident he is the full-time starter this entire season. And beyond that, we don't know what his future is. So if you're measuring him in a potential one-year window against other one-year window guys like Newton, who we think might have a higher ceiling, Roethlisberger, who I think has a higher ceiling, and Haskins, who seems to be entrenched as a as a future starter, I don't see the wisdom in pulling the trigger on Carr over any of those, either for 2020 or the long term. Yeah, I, I had Carr at, wide, er, at quarterback 29. Um, you know, in retrospect, that might be a little bit low, but I would take all – I, I would take all those guys over him. Uh, just behind him, Philip Rivers, Jalen Hurts, and Jordan Love. Would you take any of those three over Carr? Uh, if I I'm, take Rivers. Yeah, this is if this is redraft, so I definitely take Rivers. <sighs> I think I'd still keep Carr over all three. I don't think Rivers is going to be much better than Carr. I, I, I'm, I'll just, I, I'll stick with Carr. Impossible that you have long term or future with him. Don't know that for sure, but I, I definitely know you likely don't have Rivers more than one more. Year, so, well, I, I guess when I look at it, I, I, I think the weapons that Rivers has are probably slightly better. The offensive line Rivers has is better, um, and the running game. I feel like Indianapolis with that offensive line that they're going to have a little better running game than Josh Jacobs. So all of those things to me give Rivers the edge, uh, you know, having the additional time, uh, you know, probably if he reaches his potential, uh, Ruggs is probably the one guy on the Raiders that is – better than uh, anybody on the Colts. I think Pittman and Edwards stack up pretty closely together. Um, T.Y. Hilton is going to be better than anybody else on on the Raiders. Uh, And then I think Doyle is probably more reliable, uh, but has a little, little, maybe a better floor, but not quite the ceiling of Waller. So so that's that's why I go Rivers. The reason I'd go Carr is that, I mean, number one, he doesn't throw as many interceptions. I don't think their defense is as good, so I think they're going to have to be in more shootouts. I mean, you can run the ball as much as you want at first, but if you start getting behind, they're going to have to rely on Carr to uh, to throw it and keep them in games. And I mean, we've seen Carr have very successful seasons uh, with the Raiders with less weapons around him as well. So I, I, I kind of go with them with the possible shootouts 
going on more often than not. Uh, Jacobs, RB12 in 2020, over or under? Uh, I think I had him. I had him at 13, so I'm going to go slight over. I think you had him at 14. Yeah, I had it. He's over for me for sure. Yeah, I had him at 14. All right. ADP of 14.83. He's the 10th RB off the board. Uh, I don't, that doesn't make any sense at all to me. I messed that up somewhere. Uh, CEH, Sanders, and Chubb going before him. You taking him over any of those three? Probably CEH. Yeah. All right. I would not take him over any of those three. Taylor, Henry, or Dobbins. Uh, Taylor, Henry, and Dobbins are going after him. Would you take him over any of those or any of those three over him? I think I might take Henry over him. I, I just feel like they're, they're going to give Henry the ball. That's what Tennessee wants to do. Vrabel wants to step up and punch you in the mouth and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you and when you've got a six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound running back, you know that's the tool to use. Yeah, I would also take Henry. I would take all three over him. Uh, I, I mean, I had Taylor over him, so I still think Taylor is going to be an absolute stud. Uh, you know, as much as I don't like Derrick Henry, I probably dislike J- Jacobs more, and I agree with what you guys are saying on Henry. Uh, and I think Dobbins is in a great situation. He's probably not going to get much for you this year, obviously, with Ingram. Uh, but I think Ingram's gone after this season. And Dobbins and that offense, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Uh, so I think I, I would definitely take all three over Jacobs. Henry Ruggs in 2020, wide receiver 30. Over. Yeah, I think over. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a, a – Upside wide receiver three, but I'm I'm going to take over. I just I think there'll be some consistency issues, and and the issues may may come out of uh, the game plan as much as if not more than just uh, rugs being inefficient and a rookie. I, I can see Gruden game planning uh, the running game for, against teams, game planning the bigger wide receivers. Uh, and the tight end against other teams, and and that sort of squeezing rugs out of the game occasionally. Yeah, I will go slight over as well on rugs. ADP of seventy nine point five, wide receiver thirty seven off the board, just ahead of him. Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, and Jarvis Landry. Are you taking him over any of those three? Definitely not taking him over Landry uh, for twenty twenty. I'm probably taking Kirk and Gallup both over him, so no. Yeah, I I think I might take him over Kirk uh, just because, I'm, I'm you. you know, when they brought in Hopkins, that to me was more of a long-term, you know, Ruggs could end up being the one for Oakland. Yeah, yeah I think – Bringing in Hopkins, and then you still have that stud and Hakeem Butler sitting on the roster in Arizona. So I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not in on the Hakeem Butler argument. That's all you. <laughs> uh, but uh, I would definitely take Gallup and Landry for sure over Rugs. Just behind him, Pittman, Higgins, and Deontay Johnson. Would you take any of those three over Rugs? 
So I've been drafting in Dynasty, and I, I've, for the most part, been taking Pittman and Higgins both um, over Rugs and Dynasty. Um, so I guess I got to say yes. Uh, I, you know, no, I, I don't think I would take Higgins. I think Cincinnati, it, it, unless they trade away A.J. Green or Green says screw it and pulls the Calvin Johnson, uh, I think Higgins is going to definitely be the fourth or fifth wide receiver in, in Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm going to take Ruggs over Higgins. And uh, I'm going to probably go Pittman over Ruggs. Uh, and I guess I think if push come to shove, I'd take Deontay Johnson too. You are really riding the Odd and Tate train. <laughs> Man, did you see some of those catches he was making? He was laying out. He's all over the place. He's... You know what? The Bengals saw that too and still took T. Higgins and franchise tagged A.J. Green. So. I mean, I think you might, you and Zach Taylor, not seeing eye to eye there. Uh, to answer your question, I'm definitely taking uh, Pittman and Higgins. You know, I have had them ranked ahead of Ruggs for for a long time. And, you know, while I acknowledge Dennis is probably right in 2020, Higgins may not be the greatest bet. We don't even know if A.J. Green could even set foot on a field. I mean, it's been a long time. The question for me is Johnson – I, I probably am still going to take Ruggs over Johnson because there's a lot of questions about long-term, who's the quarterback there, what are they doing long-term, and whether or not he's even the true number two. So I probably would still take Ruggs there, but in my heart, I like Johnson. But Yeah, well, as we both learned not to draft with our hearts because it, uh, it tends to screw us more often than help us. Uh, I'm with you, though, Matt. I would definitely take Pittman and Higgins. I mean – Higgins might not be much this year, but I think moving forward, he's going to be he's going to be Burrow's go-to guy, and I think he's going to be way more consistent than Ruggs will be on a weekly basis. And I'm not taking Deontay Johnson. I know everybody's kind of bought in on him being the the breakout. Could be because there's a lot of talk, obviously, that Juju's not going to be back after this season with Pittsburgh. But as you just mentioned, Matt, I mean, as a lifelong baseball fan, seeing people try and come back from Tommy John is not easy. Big Ben trying to do that. I, I'm not sure how much Big Ben le- has left in the tank. And they just don't seem to have a viable strategy after Big Ben. And so I think not having a possible quarterback could hurt Deontay uh, even more. So I would I would keep rugs over Deontay for now. Head Headwards, my goodness. Headwards, wide receiver 40 in 2020, over or under? Yeah. over. Boy, where was see Rugs was thirty. I feel like Rugs and Edwards are gonna finish pretty close together. Um, I'm gonna say just slightly under. Okay, I like it. Uh, I'm gonna go slightly under as well because I've already done my rankings and I have him in my top forty. So I will, uh, I will keep him. Uh, Got to stay consistent with that, I guess. Uh, ADP of one. Oh, 09, wide receiver 52 off the board. Just ahead of him, Will Fuller, Brandon Ayuk, and LaVisca Chenault. Would you take him over any of those three? Man, I feel like Fuller's got to be healthy one of these years. And he's going to be go, going into this season. I, I think Fuller is going to be the, the guy in, in Houston. So I think I would take Fuller, but I I, I wouldn't take Ayuk or Chanel. 
Uh, I would take him over Chenault. I would take him over Ayuk and Chenault uh, and Fuller, actually. I, I just don't believe in Fuller, and I had him ranked above Ayuk and Chenault, so I've got to keep him there. Just behind him, Preston Williams, Jamison Crowder, and Sterling Shepard. Would you take any of those three over Edwards? I think I'd take all of them over Edwards. Uh, I feel like Crowder, I, I can see talking myself out of Crowder because of Adam Gase. Uh, I can see talking myself out of Shepard because he's made he, of glass. He, yeah, he tends to get injured. But push comes to shove, I'd probably take both of them. Uh, and, and I love Preston Williams, and so that's that's where I'm going. I would take Preston Williams over him, but I think if you're talking about dynasty in that range, I'm I'm probably taking Edwards before Crowder and uh, Sterling Shepard. Yeah, uh, Preston for sure for me as well. Uh, Crowder's not even really a question. Shepard would be a coin flip, but I still really like Sterling Shepard. I mean, much like we were just talking about Will Fuller, I feel he's got to stay healthy eventually, right? So, and I do think if he stays healthy, he's going to remind everybody just how good he really is. Uh, but it, it would be a coin flip for me between those two. Uh, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver 36 in 2020, over or under? That's a good number. Over. You know, uh, I feel like he's going to be right there in that 30 to 40 range with Edwards and uh, Ruggs. I feel like Renfro, to me, is the favorite to lead the team in receptions, um, but have the lowest amount of yardage. Uh what if Boy, I told you no Raider receiver was going to be in the top 40? I mean, I can see it. it it's it's definitely well, a possibility. Last year, Tyrell Williams was 44. Renfro was 55. Yeah, but how many games did each of them miss? Uh, Williams didn't uh, Williams miss had a couple. I don't know about Renfro. Well, I will go over on Renfro as well. I agree with uh, – I agree with you, Dennis. I think he's going to get a lot of catches and possibly some touchdowns playing in the slot role, but I think his yards is just what's going to kill him. He, I, I don't think he's going to get you any yards. I think that's what's going to end up kind of keeping him right after, right behind that 40 range for me, which is where I have him in my ranks. Williams played 14, Renfro played 13. Wait, sure felt like last. Uh, that's because the production he got in most of those games sure felt like less. So Williams started hot. He had, he had like touchdowns in his first five games, and then he disappeared. Well, he had that's, that. I think what was it the plantar fasciitis? With someone who has had that, is not easy to even walk. So the fact that he was even able to get on a football field and play, props to that man. Aiden Manning still finished 12 and 4 with Denver, played with plantar fasciitis all season. Well, you know, yeah, but. Did you ever watch that man move when he didn't have plantar fasciitis? Did you watch Tyrell Williams move? I have. He's a lot faster than Peyton Manning. He's got to run on every play. Peyton Manning, as soon as he saw the defenders, just cr- oh no, I almost ripped my whole thing out. Just crumpled <laughs> down to the ground. Which hey, you get, you get what you get. Yeah, but you know. before, before you have a chance to praise Justin Herbert. Oh, it's coming, baby. All right, so uh. ADP of 183, wide receiver 76, just before him, Alshon Jeffrey, John Ross, and 
Jefferson? Is that Justin Jefferson? That low? There's no uh, way. It can't be. It's Thomas Jefferson. I Thomas I don't <laughs> Jefferson. It was and a Jefferson. George Jefferson. So would you take? Are there it? any other receiving Jeffersons? It can't be Justin. I don't know. I'm Van trying. Jefferson. To Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson out in LA. Oh, Van Jefferson. Yeah, there you go. So would you take him over any of those three? You know, I'm probably taking Renfro over all three of them. I'm going to be honest. I think Hunter Renfro was only a thing because uh, Oakland was looking at one of us to play wide receiver a few weeks uh, last year. So I'm not taking him over any of them. I actually don't think he's going to be much of anything. Yeah, I'm actually kind of with you. Uh, and I don't really like any of those three ahead of him, and I'd still yeah. probably take three of them. Uh, just behind him, Kenny Stills, Devin DuVernay, and Miles Boykin. Would you take any of those three over him? Not for 2020. Um, in, in Dynasty, obviously, I'd take DuVernay and Boykin. Sell me on Miles Boykin sometime because – I have him on a couple of teams, and I feel like it was just a waste of the space. But I would some, probably take Duvernay. But, you know, some of those spaces are just for waste anyways. They're literally lottery tickets. you got to put something in there, wait a few years, see if it grows. And if it doesn't, you cut bait and you plant some other piece of shit seed down there. And, see and then you watch grows. that seed get planted in somebody else's field and sprout a forest. Devontae Parker owners everywhere. I mean, I loved Boykin last year, but I just, it's a horrible landing spot for him. That yeah, I, it comes down to volume, and they're they're still likely to be the lowest, one of the lowest, if not the lowest, volume passing offense in the NFL. And we know that the top dog there is Mark Andrews, and Hollywood Brown is number two. So I think Boykin is going to move ahead of Snead as the number two receiver, but that doesn't say a whole lot for that team because they just don't pass that much. Hold him. Because in two years when he leaves Baltimore and signs with Kansas City, he's going to be a button stud. But until then, you know, he's not going to do much. Like Ricky Seals Jones? Exactly. (sighs) Podcast took a dark Uh, turn. I would would take all three. I actually think Kenny Stills might do something in Houston this year with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. So I I, kind of – I would take all three for this year and whatever. Stills doesn't work out. I just cut bait, which you're likely with Brentville. If if Fuller gets hurt like he usually does, Stills definitely has the potential to to – It's when Fuller gets hurt like he usually does. I I know. I know. I mean, one of these years – Fuller somewhere have a good season in an alternate universe. Will Fuller, Evan Ingram, and Sterling Shepard ball They're out like sixteen games a season, NFL. and they flip us all off. Exactly. Darren Waller tied in seven in twenty twenty. They go under. I, Matt, I think that's like spot on. So I guess if I had to pick, um, I, I'm gonna say. Closer to six or closer to eight? I think I'm going to say closer to eight. Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. Uh, ADP 85, tied in six off the board. Just ahead of him, Ertz, Ingram, and Andrews. You taking any of those or taking him over any of those three? You know, I'm gun shy with Ingram in the injuries, so I'm taking him over Ingram. I take him over Ingram too. 
If I'm trying to win in 2020, I wouldn't take him over Ertz, but if I'm playing the long game, I personally think Goddard is the future there and not, not Ertz, so I probably would take Waller there. Uh, I wouldn't take him over any of those three to uh, use Dennis' argument. Ingram's got to be healthy and do something one of these years. Or stay healthy for all 16 games one of these years. So, Well, 2020 uh, has felt like the twilight zone for a lot of reasons. So football-wise, it may end up, you know, all those people that could never stay on the field are just like magically bionic. And then all those guys like Derek Carr and all of a sudden just put in like fucking great seasons. Patrick Mahomes is going to throw like 20 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. It's just it's all going to be flipped upside down this year. Can, can COVID regrow soft tissue? Has anybody done? Can it can it prevent hamstring injuries? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, just after him, Noah Fant, uh, Hunter Henry, and TJ Hawkinson. You taking any of those three over Waller? Um, for redraft... I mean, I can make the case for any of the four of them uh, at, you know, if I'm picking tight end seven, tight end six. So, you know, I don't know. I think they're all coin flips. In Dynasty, I'm probably going Fant and Hawkinson. Yeah, I'm definitely taking Fant. And I just want you to know, Dennis, on Monday's episode, for which you are not going to be present, but was recorded sometime previously. We channeled a lot of you by by yes. talking about how we were going to construct our teams. We didn't want your voice of reason to be lost there. We didn't want you to feel left out. So there was definitely a lot of, of uh, channeling you through the episode when we talked about the Patriots and the Bills. Uh, I would take Fant and probably Henry. Hawkinson would be a coin flip for me. I just, I just don't know about Walter. I feel Walter like Henry is low-key uh, almost as bad as Ingram. The injuries, especially. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of Henry, Los Angeles Chargers, 5-11 and 11 last year. They did not make the playoffs. This question was meant to be up here at the top, and I've misplaced it. Over-under on Tyrod's games, four. I'm going to say slight over. I think he probably, especially given kind of the offseason and climate and, and – Poor Dennis frozen. I know. It's because he doesn't talk about Justin Herbert. He's still happy. <laughs> yeah. I think oh. Tyrod probably gets six or seven, at which point the Chargers are one and five, and they're, they're looking for a change. Dennis? Nope. You're still frozen. While we're waiting for Dennis to come back, we're going to assume Dennis is a Tyrod Taylor truther. He's going a yeah. full 16 okay. game season. <laughs> It's disappointing. Disappointing. Uh, I have a great Tyrod take, too. Oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. You're somewhat back. You're still fuzzy, but you were talking just fine. Well, I I think, you know, I was looking up to see when the Chargers' bye week was, and and it's week 10. So I definitely feel like it's going to come down to the Chargers' record. If they have a winning record and they're still in in the hunt for the playoffs – uh, I think Tyrod keeps playing, uh, but if they start off, you know, two and four, we're probably going to see Herbert unless Herbert just shits the bed in practice. Well, and you know what I'm I'm looking at too it is what games are by their bye week. So they I'm have 
pretty sure they have a pretty tough schedule out of the block, too. Uh, I'm going to... I've been sold on the three games here for a while, but I think I'm going to go slight over. I think he's going to get four games in, and I honestly think they're going to be either 0-4 or 1-3, and and then they're just going to bring Herbert in and let him go. Uh, I I love Tyrod, but I don't think he's that good of a starting quarterback. Last two games before the bye week are November 1st at home against the Jaguars and then November 8th at home against the Raiders. That would be a pretty soft landing spot if you were trying to put your rookie quarterback in. You get two home games against teams that probably aren't going to be killer and then get a bye week to reassess. I think Max Crosby would have issue with that statement. And so would Joey Bosa. Oh, wait, he's on their team. Never mind. Yeah, he's on their team. <laughs> Lucky, luckily. Hey, Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe has no problem with it. Yeah, no, he'd be he happy to switch sidelines. He's like, I'll just come over and play with you, Joey. Keith Sweat, though. Keith Sweat will be the one. I mean, the Raiders, Raiders Chargers is always tough because it's division rivals, but I think if you were looking at some of their options, if you could start out at home in the safety of the confines at a November state of the Jaguars, which – Unless they get off to a hot start, they're probably in full-on tanking mode by then. You know, we think they could end up being one of the worst records. That would be a pretty soft landing spot. So their schedule out of the gate is actually not that bad. Um, Bengals could be a win. Obviously, there ain't no way in hell they beat the Chiefs, in my opinion. Panthers could be a win. Buccaneers could be a game. Saints, there's no way they win that, but Jets, they could win. Dolphins, they could win. And then you've got Jaguars, Raiders, Broncos, Bills. So, I don't know. I, I still I still think Herbert sees the field probably by week six at the latest. That's just – maybe it's just my undying love for the kid, but I think he's going to get out there sooner rather than later. Yeah, but if you're the Chargers, you you know, you invested in, in Herbert. He's not going to get preseason probably to get reps because it seems yeah. – I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel more and more by the day that we're not going to have any preseason games. We're going to roll right into the regular season. I think that's going to end up being their compromise. In which case, you have a guy that's trying to adjust to the new level, which may not have the most talented team. Didn't get any kind of actual game reps. Got only limited time in the offseason to work on him. If they want him to have the best... You know, if you're going to invest in a future franchise quarterback, the worst thing that you can have is to throw him out there and have him get destroyed, start getting booed. You don't want to destroy their confidence before they even get a chance to start. And that's why Burrow's a different case. They made their decision he's going to start week one. They got rid of their guy. For Tua, who's coming back off of injury, for whom they have a veteran that was plenty frisky, and for the Chargers, who probably aren't looking at competing this year, I think they're they're on totally different trajectories, maybe than even they would have been if things had been more normal once we got to May. Well, I think with the Chargers, what we'll see if we don't have any preseason, uh, I, we're going to see college-style games where if the game is out of hand, they're going to be quick to get Herbert in to get playing time. If the Even if the game is close – I could see them putting him in for a series to get his feet wet, you know, in a first first series of the second quarter if the game is close, just to, hey, go in, 
go in for a series and see what you can do. Uh, things like that, uh, third quarter or something, if the game isn't out of hand. That way, they're they're trying as a as a way to make up for missing the preseason. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Herbert, I know a lot of people seem to dismiss this, but I think it is a big deal that uh, he, he's a very smart person. He won the academic Heisman, which is not something you like. You don't expect. I listen to the back row show. That doesn't matter. I know. That's so, so they say. Uh, but he's a very smart person. And you listen to people at Oregon, they talk about how smart it was when he, how smart he was when he even came in there as a freshman, how quickly he learned the playbook. I don't think he's going to have any issue with that. I know he hasn't been on the field, obviously, being able to do that. And, you know, to be able to learn to play football and play football, get up to game speed, you have to play the game of football. But I don't think he's going to have any issues learning the playbook. And I also think Anthony Lynn probably wants to try and secure his future a little bit here. And if they start out really bad and he throws out Herbert and they win a couple games, one thing I'll say is Herbert is by far, in my opinion, 10 times more talented than Tyrod Taylor. He's going to be able to win them games, keep them in games. He's got a ton more talent around him than he's ever had in his entire life. So I, I think that if he's given a shot, he'll be able to impress some. I'm not expecting him to go out there and put up Mahomes-like numbers. Not going to happen. Joe Burrow's probably going to be the best rookie quarterback this year, but I do think Herbert can go out there even without any preseason reps uh, and be good. Uh, I just, I truly believe in his escapability, his arm, and his brain when he's out there on the field. And when you have guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen that you can throw the ball to, where he's had guys of our talent, the three of us out there trying to catch balls at Oregon, I think he's, I think he's going to be all right. So their new additions this year, uh, they re-signed Austin Eckler to a five-year deal. They picked up Mike Williams' fifth-year option, drafted Herbert in the first, Josh Kelly in the fourth, Joe Reed in the fifth, and K.J. Hill in the seventh. They lost uh, Phillip Rivers, Travis Benjamin, and Melvin Gordon in the offseason, and their expiring, co- expiring contracts after this year, a ton on the defense, by the way. I was kind of surprised how many players they might be losing on defense. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Tyrod Taylor, and Justin Jackson. Their fantasy finishes, Austin Eckler, RB4 with 309 points. Keenan Allen, wide receiver 6, 261.5. Mike Williams, wide receiver 41 with 161.3. And then Hunter Henry, tight end 9 with 150.2. Assuming, since we all kind of talked about multiple different weeks here that Herbert or Tyrod could Herbert could take over Tyrod lose the job do you think either one will be viable for fantasy throughout the season if you're talking about as a whole I I don't you know I think we didn't have any of them above QB3 area but if Herbert takes over and looks good toward the end he might be a guy that you can stash that would help you down the stretch I missed the question do you think either quarterback will be viable this year for fantasy? Oh, um, it depends. Uh, definitely in Superflex, there's going to be opportunities to to use either, depending on who's starting. Um, but for the most part, they're going to be low end quarterback twos. Uh, you know, uh, Taylor has never really been known for his completion percentage. Uh, though he throws an excellent deep ball, I'm told, uh, but he doesn't have a super good completion percentage. Uh, he's a good athlete, uh, smart player, and doesn't take a ton of chances. 
uh, I do think that Herbert will take more chances, uh, and that could lead to more big plays, but it also could lead to more turnovers. And, and you know, we've seen it time after time that uh, from the quarterback position, the transition to the NFL can sometimes be rocky. So I don't think I'm grabbing either one of them and hoping to slot them in as my starter uh, in a one-quarterback league, uh, in a super flex you know, if I have either one of them, I'm probably hoping to upgrade my QB2 over them. If not, you know, I guess you let it roll and move towards next year. Maybe you get lucky and hit them right. Yeah, and super flex, obviously, if, if Herbert takes over as early as I think he can, um, I do think he will be a, a QB2, uh, probably low-end QB2. I'm not expecting it to be you know, an elite quarterback this year, but I still believe in Herbert. Uh, let's just talk about the future NFL MVP, Justin Herbert. Like, I'll, I'll just mess with you. Yes. I love the kid. We've it done feels it like one of us has a vested interest in his success, something to do with I mean, a tattoo, an unflattering tattoo. History. I will love that. I don't really want a Dolphins tattoo. I'll get a Herbert tattoo for sure. I love the kid. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Now, everyone is expecting a drop-off for Eckler. How bad do you think that drop-off will be? 2020 i don't think it's going to be i i don't think it's going to be much at all uh i feel like he's going to be set up for a uh, 100 targets again and he's going to carry the ball 130 140 times just like he did last year and they'll split the rest of the carries between um uh, justin jackson and joshua kelly uh, and and Tyrod, being as mobile as he is, will likely pick up some of the the rushing yardage as well or the carries. So you know they're they've already come out and said they're not looking to grind Eckler with twenty carries a game. They want to keep his role relatively similar. You know, ten carries, twelve carries, ten targets, that kind of thing. Well, when you have a stud like Justin Jackson, I mean, he can take the fifteen, sixteen carries that you don't want to give Eckler every week. He can. I, I think uh, I, I'm with you. I think Eckler still finishes as an RB one. I think we we both thought he'd come down from where he was as RB four last year. But you know, between RB eight and twelve makes sense to me. Yeah, I think I had him. I had him at RB nine. And I think or I had him at ten. Yeah, I had him at thirteen. I think so. Obviously, a drop from four, but I think he's just going to be just right outside that top twelve. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets in there. I just think a little bit of a drop down. I, I mean, I guess it sounds like a lot when you say four to, to thirteen, but I, I don't expect him to be uh, that bad this year. Can Mike Williams finally become fantasy relevant? You know, he, he's obviously shown on the field he's a phenomenally talented player he just seems to have injuries and other things go wrong for him can't be on the stay on the field you know this seems to be the theme of this episode can he stay healthy can this be the year that we see mike williams stay healthy and produce for fantasy uh fantasy two relevancies or fantasy so is this williams fourth year or fifth year this is his fourth year he they just picked up his fifth year option so he'll be here this year next year so I think that uh, a lot of it is going to ride on how long Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback. Uh, I feel like Herbert um, may work downfield a little more than Tyrod and, and do it a little better. 
And if that's the case, uh, then I think that favors Mike Williams. Keenan Allen is, is a beast. Uh, I think he's always going to be what he is, which is a, an excellent technical route, route runner. Easy for me to say. Uh, and he's going to get his, his targets and he's going to do work with them. Uh, since they picked up Williams' option, I think they're going to be – the front office anyways is – going to look at Williams to help project what they need to do with Keenan Allen next year. Now, obviously, if Williams shits the bed this year, Keenan Allen is going to look a lot better going into the contract negotiations after that contract expires. But if Mike Williams comes in and puts up 70 catches and 1,300 yards, uh, even if Keenan puts up 90 and 11, uh, it comes down. They go. Then they're like, you know, we've we've got another guy. We don't need to overpay for you. We can we can work with some of the depth and some of the these other players. So, uh, can he be relevant? Yes. Will he? Great goddamn question. I say yes, uh, especially since I drafted him as my wide receiver too in the Scott Fish Bowl. So I'm going yes. So. Mike Williams played and started 15 games last season. It's not like he was missing a lot. He got 90 targets, which was third on the team, but he was fourth on the team in receptions, only 49. Didn't have a lot of touchdowns. I still think he's probably the fourth option in a passing offense that, let's be honest, may be a little less high volume, especially depending on how much of a season we see Tyrod Taylor. So, is he going to be more than he was? I wouldn't bet on it. Well, I, I would think that where he, he's going to have to improve his efficiency. And if if uh, Rivers was part of the issue, you know, then Taylor, who admittedly hasn't always been super accurate, or Herbert may make that a little bit easier for Williams to improve. Well, I think a lot of Williams, too, is he dealt with that back issue a lot last year. And I, I can't remember with Stafford. When we talked about it with Stafford a couple weeks ago with the NFC North or maybe a month ago at this point, I, I don't even remember. But you can't ever tell with back issues. And as a wide receiver, he already dealt with that coming out of college. And then I believe that flared up again last year. I don't remember what. It may not have been the back. I know he had an injury last year. No, I think year. it is. But, see, that's the thing. With the kind of injury that Williams had, this is one of the reasons people – had misgivings after that kind of injury flared up when he was a rookie. Those aren't the kind of things that are ever going to, that you, it's not like an ACL where hopefully they repair it. You come back and after a certain amount of time, you gain whatever X percentage and and you should be good to go or, you know, breaking a bone. This is going to be the kind of thing that will dog him for a long time. And last year was so previous, previously, he appeared in 16 games but only started five in 2018. He played all, played and started all 15 last year and went up in targets. Didn't go up noticeably in receptions. Did have a lot of yardage, you know, so it depends on – it seems like last year, he, I mean, he averaged 20.4 yards per carry, but his catch percentage was below 55%. His catch percentage as a rookie was below 50%. You know, what – they haven't – changed necessarily the scheme of their offense 
maybe Tyrod is a good deep ball thrower. That's not what I think of when I think of him, in which case I'm thinking of Eckler and Hunter Henry being more beneficiaries and somebody like Keenan Allen, who's going to be the focal point of your offense. And, you know, when you have a young quarterback coming in, they often tend to defer more to a tight end or a pass catching back out of the backfield or the number one target. So it may be a situation where Mike Williams talent and health wise could be in a better position, but his role in the offense is the same and the offense affords him less opportunity to do those kind of things. Well, I I think if the offense is the same, so let's say he gets 90 targets again this year. For one, I think he'll regress to the mean with touchdowns. He had 10 last year, or 10 two years ago, and two last year. So let's say that he's going to be at six. And his catch percentage, I feel, will go up from 55 to, um, you know, even at 60, that bumps his receptions up by, you know, almost 10 10 more receptions. The same. if you split the difference with his um, yards per reception, you end up with just about what was he this year, this season? Uh, something. I can't remember. I'll look real quick. Wide receiver 41. I yeah. feel like you end up with a low end wide receiver three, probably is, is where you're looking at uh, if the, if his targets stay the same. I feel like. He'll improve with uh, receptions and touchdowns, but he may dip a little bit on the the yardage per catch. So I I feel like he has the opportunity to to move up and be a wide receiver three. Uh, So the one thing I'll say before we move on to Hunter Henry is, I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is a really good deep ball thrower, but he did have that like beautiful 60-yard bomb to Antonio Callaway when they should have beaten Saints a couple years ago for the Browns. I'm just saying I mean, on the run, dart, Tony O'Callaway, touchdown, then fucking kicker misses the kick, and the Saints end up eventually winning the game. It's fucking bullshit. It was a great throw by Tyrod. So I'll just I'll give him props on that one throw. Hunter Henry, is he elite? Is he an elite tight end for fantasy? When I feel elite, I mean top twelve, just to specify. So you think top twelve is elite? For fantasy, yes, it's a it's a tight end one. I then then the answer is yes. I think that's a you know that's like putting me and you know Tom Cruise in the same modeling agency. I'm I'm participa- participation medals guy. I'm just, here you go here you go here you go. I'm looking at him out there. This just turned into the millennial podcast. <laughs> I mean. If you if if because I think elite is Kelsey Kittle Andrews I think think that's elite uh, I I think when you get down to tight end ten or twelve I mean you're looking at possibly ninety to a hundred points different than your tight end one tight end two so is he elite I don't think he's elite is he a tight end one Yeah I think he's a tight end one Yeah I mean. If you would have asked me where did Hunter Henry finish last year, I wouldn't have guessed tight end nine when I when I saw that. He did that in only twelve games uh, last year. Um, I think we've always we've been waiting probably five years for him. You know, they it seemed like they took him to be the heir apparent to Antonio Gates, who's somebody in his prime. I would say was elite. I mean, he was. 
I agree. best in the business for a long time. And they liked him, and it, you know, it just seemed like he couldn't get past Gates for a couple of years. And then when it looked like he was about to have that opportunity, blows his ACL. Some lingering issues from that again last year, but I think we started to see why why they believed in him. I don't know. I, I tend to be more like Dennis. I would say there's only, uh, to me, three elite tight ends right now, Kelsey Kittles and Andrews. Um, but I would put him in that next tier of guys. You know, if you're t- if you're talking about the Waller, Evan Ingram, Ertz, you know, I would put him in that group. When he's been on the field, he's been very good, and that's probably why they franchise tagged him. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think that's his biggest thing is he's just got to stay on the field. And we saw that a little bit more last year. Hopefully he can continue that trend and kind of staying healthy and being on the field. Hey, hey, fellas, I hate to interrupt, but I have to hop off. I got an emergency situation to attend to. All right. We'll see you again on Thursday. Yeah. All right. So we'll do over-unders here to finish out the episode. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, QB 32, over or under? I'm going to go over. I will go over as well. ADP of 237, QB 34. Just ahead of them, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, and Phillip Rivers. Would you take any of those uh, him over any of those three? Uh, no, probably not in that range. The only place, to be honest, that I'm taking Taylor is if I've taken Herbert. All right, fair enough. So right after him, Winston and Stidham. And, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'd take both of them over Tyrod. I assume you do the same. Again, assuming you, you don't yeah. have Herbert. Well, I think Winston is probably, of the quarterbacks that are not guaranteed to start, has got to be the, the top tier. In fact, I might take him over some of the quarterbacks slated to start because we've seen what he can do, and we also have seen Drew Brees isn't getting any younger. Things happen. Yeah. Uh, Herbert, QB 20 on the season, over or under? I'm going to go over. I will go over as well. ADP of 196, he has the 23rd QB off the board. Uh, just ahead of him, Minshew, Tannehill, and Garoppolo. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over all three. As would I. Uh, after him, Breeze, Bridgewater, and Brady. Uh, for me, if it was for this year, I'd probably still go Breeze. Yeah. Brady would be a coin flip. I, I'm still just not as sold on Brady in, in Tampa as everybody else is. So that would be a coin flip for me. I'd probably end up leaning Brady. It would depend on who I took earlier, especially if it was a super flex. Uh, but for me, I'd still take Herbert over Bridgewater for sure. That That's a for sure for me. What about you? Yeah, it's the same. depends on how you're constructing your team. And, you know, especially in super flex, if you waited on quarterback and you only have one, you're, you're probably grabbing a guy like Breeze because you got at least one great year, and, and then you're hoping to circle back and get a rookie. Austin Eckler, RB10 on the season, over or under? Pretty sure I had him at RB10, so I'm going to say slight over because I feel more comfortable at 11 than 9. Yeah, I will go over as I had him at 13. Uh, ADP of 30, RB14 off the board. Just ahead of him, Dobbins, Henry, and Taylor. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over Dobbins. Uh, if it was for this year, I agree. Outside of that, uh, I would take him over Henry because of what he can do in the passing game, and he's got a secure future for sure. So uh, I would definitely take him over Henry. Just after him, Akers, uh, Kenyon Drake, and Aaron Jones. Would you take any of those three over there? 
No, because, you know, of those, Eckler, actually, of the top kind of tier running backs, has some of the most security because of the new contract. Yeah. And they obviously chose him off Melvin Gordon, so you got to be thinking, no matter what, they, they like him and his role. Yeah, and I think the the one thing I do want to say on that, too, is uh, there's a lot of, like, myths that Eckler is injured a lot, and he really hasn't been hurt as much as people think if you actually go and look at his uh, how many games he's played and everything. He's suffered a couple injuries, but he's not missed that many games. So I'll, I'm with you on that. I would take him over all three. He's got the most security. I mean, I guess outside of Akers, who just got drafted, he'll be there at least for four years. Uh, but just like you said, they took they decided to take him over Melvin Gordon, who, you know, yeah, despite so- – Eckler has played 46 out of a possible 48 games in his career. Yeah, that's yeah. But everybody thinks about because he gets hurt or he gets banged up that he misses all these games. He really hasn't. And you add in his receiving upside, which we saw a lot of last year. I think I think he's he's the guy that's really kind of getting overlooked. So I'm with you. I would definitely take him over those three. Uh, Keenan Allen, wide receiver eight in 2020, over or under? Slight over. Same. I would probably. I think I have him at eight in my ranking, so I would go slight over as well. ADP of forty four point eight. Uh, wide receiver twenty one off the board, just ahead of him. Lamb, Diggs, and Metcalf. Would you take him over any of those three? Take him over Metcalf. I think I'd take him over Metcalf and Diggs. I mean, I like Diggs, but I think. Allen's already proven that he's been much more fantasy relevant. And, I mean, Allen obviously I think is a better quarterback than Tyrod. Probably right there with Herbert. I think it's – I just – Allen, I think he just does too much I think for the me. question I, for me with Keenan Allen is being in a contract year. What if – you know, what if he's not in Los Angeles? What if he goes to, Well, I think Dick's contract year as well. I don't think yeah, he's signed long. That's part of the reason why he wanted to be traded. Unless there's an outright flop, I would think with what Buffalo gave up and going to try to acquire him, that they're they're likely to try to keep him. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have a fair point there. I, I've always had kind of a soft spot for Diggs, but that's... No, I mean, I, I like Diggs, too. I just, for, for the only reason I would take him over Diggs, like, it's funny that neither one of us would take him over Lamb, and Lamb has done nothing in the NFL yet, but... Uh, but I think we both think Lamb potentially is number yeah, one in Dallas, and which could be a robust passing offense, you know, and, and the draft capital they spent on that. That That isn't a 2020 pick. That's a... Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, Lamb's going to be an absolute stud. Uh, the only reason, like I said, I'd take him over Diggs is just be, he's he's proven it longer. And even with the injuries, I think Allen has still been more fantasy relevant. So even if he doesn't end up in Los Angeles next year, I would imagine some team's going to sign him because it's not like a he's not even an off the field kind of guy like Antonio Brown was, where you're like, well, do they want to bring that kind of distraction in? He's I've never seen anything bad about Allen. I think. One of the most underrated route runners as well. If you watch some of the videos that the Chargers post of him running routes, it's ridiculous how good that guy is. I think he kind of he's one of those guys where because he's played on a team like the Chargers that seems to be bouncing the first round of the playoffs every single year and then hasn't been quite as good as we all hope they would be the past couple of years, he kind of gets overlooked. Uh, just behind him, DJ Chark, Jerry Judy, and Terry McLaurin. Would you take any of those three over Allen? Uh, I would take McLaurin. I think McLaurin would be my uh, – it'd be a coin flip for me on those two. Uh, Chark would be close as well. Judy, uh, I just – I don't know. I love Judy, 
But Sutton, I think, is the stud there, and I just I, I don't know. But uh, McLaurin, a coin flip, Chark would be behind him for sure for me. Uh, Mike Williams, wide receiver, twenty eighth in twenty twenty. Way over. I'll go slide over. I think he finishes like around thirty two. I can't remember where I have him, but I'm pretty sure it's right around there. I think Did he's going to have fifty two. Uh, ADP of 97, wide receiver 48 off the board. Just ahead of him, A.J. Green, Denzel Mims, and Mecole Hardman. Would you take him over any of those three? Well, I, I thought this was going to be easy, but no, I guess I would take him over Mecole Hardman. <laughs> uh, I think I'd take him over Hardman and Green. Uh I like Green, but I don't know where his future is going after this year. He's got the in- lower leg injuries. I don't think he comes back to Cincinnati. Um, I'm but if he t- ends up getting traded in the preseason to the Patriots so he can play with Cam Newton, we're all going to feel real sad. True, true, but I don't think that happens. Uh, just behind him, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Will Fuller, and Brian Edwards. We should take any of those three over Williams. I don't know if you've heard, but Auden Tate is the truth, so... I think that AJ Green trade is about him. <clears throat> I mean, I like the potential of Edwards, so I, you know, I probably it's a it's kind of a toss up. I'm not a huge Mike Williams fan. That was it's hard. Uh, you know, I think if we were channeling Dennis, he'd say he wouldn't take more, he wouldn't take anyone over him. Uh, I do like Mike Williams, and I would still take Edwards. I, I think Edwards is going to be the one. I know everybody's sold on rugs, but I just think Edwards is the better player. I think he's going to put that offense better. So I would still take Edwards with the with his potential. I actually kind of think Ayuk might be the one for San Francisco as well because I, I like Debo, but Ayuk's got a lot going on. But I don't uh, – I mean, but if Keenan Allen moves on, does Mike Williams get a shot to be the one – for the Chargers. Yes, I think he does, but I still think Edwards is better. Just with what Edwards can do, because Edwards is a guy who can go deep and he can he can play he can play anywhere on the field. Like I'm, and that's kind of why now I'm kind of leaning Ayuk as well, because I think Ayuk can do it all. So I, I think yeah. in the end, I probably take Ayuk as well. Uh, both. Of well, them that's why I think when you're kind of in this range, especially looking at dynasty, you kind of have to go with your gut about how you feel about the player and what role they're going to be, you know, and not look. I think that's where dynasty players get trapped. Sometimes you're looking at the current situation when you have to, you have to brace yourself for a current situation, but you need to look in three years. Am I going to think, Oh my God, I took Mike Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially at this point, I mean, wide receiver 48 off the board, I think, Unless I've just completely punted wide receiver, which actually, in which case, if I've completely punted wide receiver, I'm probably trying to take a bunch of young guys with a lot of upside uh, yeah. compared to guys who've just been in the NFL. But yeah, I, I think. Well, I you could have as good a 2020 as Mike Williams with yeah. the Debo injury, and we don't know how sustainable that's going to be. It's not like there's a plethora of options there. Yeah, I think and for me, I've, I've definitely gone. Now that I think about it, I've talked myself into Ayuk and Edwards for sure over Williams. Uh, why do I want to call him Derrick Henry? Hunter Henry, tight end 10 on the season in 2020. It's your unbridled love for Derrick Henry. Uh, I'm going to say slight under. Um, you know, I think he has a good chance of finishing in the top 10 if he stays on the field. Same here. I've got him at a seven, I think. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Hunter Henry. ADP of 91.17. He is the 
eighth tight end off the board. Just before him, Fant, Waller, and Ertz. You taking him over any of those three? Probably depends on the day. I mean, yeah. my, my natural inclination is I would probably take him over Ertz. And it's not because, you know, I think Ertz is still going to be good in 2020. I'm just sort of fading him in the long game. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely take him over Waller because I said that earlier. I don't want to change what I said about 30, 40 minutes ago. So I'd still take him over Waller. Uh, Ertz would be a coin flip. I just, even if Ertz moves on, I think he's good enough that if he lands on another team, he could still be good. And, and I, I think both of them, both of their their futures are in the air, kind of, because I agree with you. I think Goddard is going to be the future there sooner rather than later. And they franchise tagged Henry, but they don't necessarily have a ton of cap room, and they've got a ton of players coming up on contracts, as we talked about earlier. So I don't know for sure if Henry is going to be the future there either. Uh, Hawkinson, Goddard, and Higby are all going behind Henry. Would you take any of those three over him? No. I might Goddard just because I think with Philly, he's going to, he could be huge there, especially once Earth moves on, but he'd be the only one for me. Uh, so that does it for today's episode. Uh, obviously, Dennis had to, to cut out a little bit early there. He has a family emergency. We will be back on Thursday, I believe, probably doing a Scott Fishbowl episode. Uh, I think uh, my draft is the only one that has not wrapped up yet. Uh, Tony's might not have. I haven't seen if he said so or not, but, uh, we're almost done. I think we've got five rounds left. So we will have our full rosters hopefully by Thursday. Uh, we will jump in and talk about that. So everybody, thank you for stopping by. We will see you guys again on Thursday. Take it easy. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Don't look up above his head.